Before going into surgery, your blood sample is sent to a laboratory for analysis. The analysis recognizes your blood type and the antibodies in the blood. And this information is used to make sure that the right type of blood is available during surgery in case it's needed. It's critical that the process the blood samples go through is flawless. Enersoft is a 20-year-old company that makes the software that runs those laboratories. Based in Tampere, Finland, they're looking for a developer to join their ranks. They focus on long-term relationships with their customers and their employees. No full-time employee has ever left the company. Check out their website at enersoft.fi. The link is in the show notes. Welcome to the third season of the Boss Level Podcast. Starting now, you'll get a new episode every two weeks until Christmas. I'm pretty confident that you'll love the lineup of guests that I have in store, so if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, now is the right time. For all the Swedes listening, I'm going to be presenting at the Fast Feedback Conference in Stockholm in September. My talk is about how we applied lean and systems thinking to improve lead times and patient satisfaction at one of the busiest emergency clinics in Finland. You can get tickets to the conference at fastfeedback.se. In addition, I might be running a workshop on building a boss-level company culture on the day before the conference. So if you're interested in attending the workshop, drop me an email at sami at bosslevelpodcast.com. But now, let's get to the episode. In 2009, Satoshi Nakamoto released Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer digital currency. Bitcoin is based on the concept of a blockchain. Blockchain makes Bitcoin decentralized. So that means that money moves from one account to another without banks in between. Now that's huge. Regardless of whether you see Bitcoin as a viable currency, the technology underneath it is impressive, to say the least. My guest today is Marty Malami, who is the first after Satoshi to start working on Bitcoin. He's also the co-founder of Money, M-O-N-I, a fintech startup, and he runs his own global address service called Identity.fi. In this episode, you'll learn about decentralization, blockchain, smart contracts, and you'll know if there's any merit to the hype. I'm a 27-year-old guy, uh, having worked in the IT for six years now. I guess uh, Bitcoin was where my career started back in 2009. Yeah, so you were actually involved in the very early days of Bitcoin. So what was your role in that? Uh, well, I was basically the first developer after Bitcoin's creator, Satoshi. Yeah, I offered Satoshi my help with uh, anything I could help with. And that uh, ended up being like web development documentation first and later some coding for the Bitcoin Core software. How did you how did you find Bitcoin back then? Um, I came into this idea from the kind of individual liberty perspective or anarchist, if you like. Uh, I was thinking there should be some some way of uh, reducing the power of central banks. On one hand, uh, their power to like manage the economy top down and give alternatives and competing currencies, stuff like that. And on the other hand, um, enable individuals to move their money 
in the digital world without permissions. These were my two objectives. So you were basically interested interested in these things already before you'd learned about Bitcoin. Yeah, so I was looking for a system that would help reach these goals. Okay. Uh, I found out about Bitcoin. It was the only completely decentralized system out there. There had been systems like eGold or even PayPal had ideas like this uh, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But Bitcoin was the first completely decentralized system. And luckily it was just introduced a couple months earlier when I was looking into it. <laughs> so uh, how about like uh, in very concrete terms, like where did you read about it? Like was it a mailing list or a Usenet group or like what was it? Uh, I think I was just Googling around for things like peer-to-peer currency or okay something like this. And there was this peer-to-peer foundation blog post or the Bitcoin release note published by Satoshi. Okay, and, and it just had his email and you just emailed him? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How involved are you with Bitcoin uh, today, like in 2016? I haven't actually been very much involved with the community since 2011, I think. Back then I was still managing the Bitcoin talk forums and um, until uh, couple of years ago, I was still managing the domains for Bitcoin Talk and Bitcoin.org. But uh, now I have moved on to other projects, just like Satoshi did. Okay. Uh, what's the reason between, uh, behind that? Why didn't you want to work with Bitcoin anymore? Because there's a ton of great developers working on Bitcoin already, but okay. there are other projects that don't have developers. Okay. Okay. Uh, and what are those projects? Um, there are things like uh, Stellar or Ripple. This, uh, uh, I, I guess you could say, blockchain uh, systems these days. Uh, this, this public ledger systems that are in some ways similar to Bitcoin. Um, and then there's online identity stuff like uh, Identify, the project I created myself which aims to be like a global address book, like your phone's address book, where you can find everyone in the world. I think a lot of people uh, don't really know the difference between Bitcoin and blockchain. So can you distinguish the two a little bit? Yeah, well, blockchain uh, is the technology that Bitcoin originally introduced. And uh, um, in its original form, it was this way of reaching a consensus between uh, untrusted parties, consensus of the status of a ledger, of a public ledger that records transactions. And Bitcoin achieved this consensus by a process called mining, which is essentially burning CPU cycles uh, to, to prove that this is, the, this is the consensus, this is the version of the ledger that we want to share. And since then, the meaning of blockchain has somewhat changed. These days, it's a bit, bit of a buzzword, but it can generally be like any type of a shared ledger, distributed ledger or a public ledger. But sometimes it's just a marketing buzzword used yeah. for systems that have nothing to do with the technologies behind Bitcoin. 
sure, there's a lot of hype within the word and and around it. But uh, do you have any ideas like why is there any truth to the hype? Like, is there anything that's uh, that you think is really new in the concept of of a blockchain? Well, yeah, of course there is. What blockchain brings to the table is the uh, ability of different organizations or people to interact with each other without middlemen. It could be banks that uh, immediately or instantaneously settle transactions uh, without without uh, like days delays in uh, measured in days and without asking for anyone's permission. And uh, it makes it easy to integrate these different systems, easy to develop on. Yeah. So the the biggest concept that you see behind blockchain is the fact that it's distributed and it, without a central authority. Yeah, and it mm. allows interoperability of uh, separate ledgers. I think the classic example, or kind of maybe that's because because blockchain was invented in the uh, in the context of Bitcoin, but I think it's like it's used a lot in the context of financial transactions. But I think nowadays people have started to think about like how we could apply blockchain in in the in domains outside the financial services. Do you have any thoughts on those? Like, do you think that blockchain should be limited to financial services, or do you think that we could definitely apply it somewhere else too? Well, blockchain is a system for managing a ledger of transactions. Well, it it doesn't need to be money if it can be modeled as transactions. But typically, typically, its um, transactions are like managing the ownership of things. It could be well. Some have used as example the ownership of a mobile phone uh, where a mobile phone would be hardware limited to some uh, key defined on on the blockchain the ownership would be defined on the blockchain and you would have to pay your monthly subscription on the blockchain or otherwise the phone would go dead <laughs> something <laughs> okay. like this okay yeah. typically asset management mm-hmm. is what it can be used for have you heard of any like particularly interesting like applications that are already out there? Well, to be honest, I haven't seen that many like super great applications yet mm-hmm. so far. I guess uh, escrow has been one of the most useful features or programs built on blockchain. Uh, that means there could be an online auction where the money only moves when the buyer and seller are both satisfied with the trade when the package has been delivered. And if there's a dispute, there can be a third party that uh, resolves the dispute without the ability to steal the money. So basically, if you want to do that nowadays, you basically have to have some kind of like a bank in between. That yeah, someone who takes out. the money, takes the money and holds it. What do you think, like what's the problem with the current model? It's the fact that it's centrally yeah, centrally you, done. Yeah, you need to trust the third party. Exactly. So with the escrow model, you don't even need to trust the third party because they, yeah. they they won't be able to steal the money. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's really interesting. So is this is escrow that's something that you can already use? Yeah, I think systems like uh, Open Bazaar mm-hmm. already have something like this. If you think about this from if if someone's listening from the banking sector or the financial sector. What do you think they should be interested in, in blockchain? It's the ability to 
instantaneously clear transactions between organizations as quickly as you can send an email. That's how it should work these days. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you think about it that that moving money takes days. Yeah, it like, doesn't make sense in yeah. the technical sense, yeah, it, and it's not what millennials are used to. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Like, and and it's definitely it's it's only because of the history. It's not because we currently have technical restrictions that would prevent us from making transactions in seconds. It's because it was built for a different age. Yeah, each bank used to have their like mainframe, their own ledger. That are still running on the same ancient technology. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah we just need to integrate them. Yeah, the, the the world needs to move forward in this respect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that will happen at some point. Actually, that's really interesting. Do you think that, like, in, in ten years, do you think that we'll, we won't have central uh, central banks anymore because we'll we'll be able to move money in a, in a distributed fashion? I think we'll still have central banks. In the same sense that we still have national airlines, but there will be competition between them, and things will be smoother. Just like the airline industry has changed, they have to be really like optimized and competitive to survive. It will just make things more efficient. Oh, I, I think in in general, when I when I read about blockchain and when I when I discuss blockchain, there's kind of a similar feeling to back. Back in the days when when the internet didn't exist or or it existed, but it was like very few people were using it. And when you kind of try to explain it to someone that like all the computers in the world are going to be connected to each other, and you can like send messages instantaneously and and do all sorts of stuff that happens immediately all across the world, the concept was so so crazy, so weird that it was really hard to explain it. And I've noticed that when talking about blockchain, there's a similar kind of feeling. Yeah, I know that. Sometimes yeah. it's just easier to show show the actual products to people, show how it works, instead of explaining the abstractions and the theory on it. And I guess, uh, the, uh, you know, Pokemon Go, it's a great example of uh, how you don't need to explain the con- concept of augmented reality. You can just show them Pokemon Go. This is how it works. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah, yeah. don't have to ever explain it again. Yeah. I think blockchain is also like it's or blockchain technologies are so in the like early phases that I think there's going to be a lot of problems with them and new technologies will emerge and new implementations will emerge and and people will just uh kind of need to live with the fact that there's a lot of stuff happening until we find the ones that actually work. And yeah. That's and, right, and I think that was that was the case also in the beginning of the internet, and, and of course it's still happening. I mean, with these yeah. services. Yeah. You're currently working for a company called Money, so M O N I. So, what's the idea behind the company? Well, to put it short, we want to provide everyone in the world with a banking account, and we're building a banking platform where you can integrate all your existing like financial tools like credit cards or bank accounts. You can bring them under the same account and uh, developers can build their applications on our platform. And we're kind of building bridges between the new and old systems in finance. We started about two years ago and I guess the biggest thing we've done so far uh, was to provide 
refugees in Finland with uh, payment accounts because, you know, they cannot get bank accounts very easily. They don't have ID, official ID and so on. Currently about 10% of the refugees in Finland are using our cards and there are constant requests from these uh, reception centers that we want your cards, but it's uh, not within the pilot program, unfortunately. Okay, we've talked about the the current financial system and and the problems with centralization. What are the what are the problems that you're hoping to solve with money? Well, I'm hoping to solve um, the interoperability of financial systems, like basically making money as easy to send as email and as quick to send. So um, you're able to connect all your credit cards or in the future bank accounts uh, to your money account and we are trying to reduce the friction between them and uh, we are looking into blockchain solutions such as Stellar and Ripple to integrate with even more financial institutions. Okay, so uh, let's talk about the impact of blockchain on how we run our organizations. So are you familiar with the DAO, so the Decentralized Autonomous Organizations? Well, yeah. The DAO is an, uh, like a pool of capital that runs on the Ethereum blockchain that uh, investors can put their money in and out of easily. And it gathered like 150 million in investments in a, in a month or so. And what currency? Um, dollars. Yeah. And so, so basically it's a pool of capital where the investors vote how the money should be used. Typically it, it would be projects that pay back to the pool and uh, pay dividends to the investors. So it's it's basically a system where there's no central authority making the decisions on the investments, but the uh, the organization makes them uh, through the DAO. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And the pool doesn't rely on any country's laws uh, on uh, managing the money. It relies on the blockchain, the rules coded on the blockchain. Yeah, so the money is not stored in a bank that will make sure that that everyone plays by the rules, but actually it's based on a smart contract. Yeah, the DAO is uh, basically a quite complicated smart contract that is registered on the Ethereum blockchain. And can we talk a little about, like, explain the concept of a smart contract? What does that mean? Smart contract is um, basically just a, a conditional transaction that uh, plays out by the registered rules. Like a simple smart contract could be uh, just uh, just like an escrow case where transaction happens if two out of three parties agree to move the money. Okay, and so the idea is that you can basically write a contract in the form of program code. Yeah, and it's enforced by the blockchain. So you can't interfere with it after you started the contract. Yeah. yeah. Of course there can be coding errors. Exactly. Like what's bugs. happened with DAO. <laughs> yeah. What were the issues that DAO had? I think there was a bug which allowed to drain the pool empty of money slowly. <laughs> and that's why they hard fork hard forked the whole Ethereum blockchain. Mm. Like created a new patch that changed the whole network because of that. Yeah. That's a bit of an issue. <laughs> yes. <it> is. <laughs> yeah. I think running an organization on smart contracts would definitely lead to at least like more transparency and clarity because 
basically you can read through the code. You can understand exactly how the rules work within a certain organization if it's based on a smart contract. But then again, I think that most of the important things in a company, so all the soft and the fluffy stuff, it, it can't really be reduced to a contract. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. Because um, things like blockchain or smart contracts, they're quite often used in the buzzword sense. And often they could be replaced with the word magic. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. people just suppose they're going to replace everything and like make a project management or, or like leadership unnecessary. But that's not really the case. So what are the problems that you want to solve in the future, in the world? Well, I would say identity and money are the basic building blocks of society that are uh, like strangely underserved so far. And um, these are the two issues I want to solve. And after that has been done, I can move on to VR development or something interesting or <laughs> getting people onto Mars or whatever. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Now that you're done with the episode, you can go check out the brand new website for the podcast at bosslevelpodcast.com. And while you're at it, why not share the episode with some of the people you think might be interested in? Helping me get more listeners helps me get sponsors, which helps me cover the costs for running the podcast. It's as simple as that. Uh, if you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, you can drop me an email at sami at bosslevelpodcast.com. The next episode will be available in two weeks. Until then.